All right. Okay, great. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Unified Visions Transcending Division series. Today, we are thrilled to bring you another compelling story that shed lights on the remarkable journeys and lived experience of undocumented immigrants. Today, we are joined by Miriam, who is a Black Muslim woman who moved to the U.S. at 13, has lived in Maryland her whole life, and recently she graduated from Community College of Baltimore um, County, congratulations with that, by the way, with an associate's degree in general studies, and is now a recipient of the Dream U.S. Scholarship. Congratulations. She plans to complete her pharmacy school prerequisites at Morgan State University. With notable leadership roles, Miriam served as the president of the Muslim Student Association and was recognized as Phi Theta Kappa graduate. She actively participated in CCBC's Honor Society and was a vocal advocate for undocumented students as a member of the Student Government Association. And despite facing an unexpected realization of her undocumented status during the college application process, Miriam became an unwavering advocate. She promoted awareness of financial aid resources like MSFAA and the Maryland Dream Act, mentored fellow students, and engaged with local Maryland senators and delegates to address the adversaries faced by undocumented students. So Miriam, what have you been doing with your life? There's nothing much going on here. No, I'm kidding. There's so much there. That is so great to hear you accomplishing all those things. And even just reading that out for everyone, just hearing like that you saw that you were undocumented and rather than rather than using that as an excuse or just anything to stop working, you actually did the opposite and decided to really pursue more, to fight, to advocate, to empower yourself and others around you. And I think that's really notable. And Deanne here is gonna take over um, our first question, I believe, but I just wanna say thank you for joining us today. And we're so excited to kind of dive into your story and your background. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Okay, so Nathaniel actually asked the first question, but um, it's really nice to uh, meet you, Miriam, and I can't wait to hear more about your experience. Yeah, so I guess the first question is, can you talk about the intersectional intersectionality of your identities and how they influence your activism? So like your experience as a Black Muslim woman and an undoc undocumented individual in this country. Yeah, as a Black Muslim woman, as an undocumented student, especially as an undocumented student, um, most of the resources that I would find was geared towards the Hispanic community, and that also affected like my um, chances of getting those resources. So I would like that affected me, and um, I would always look for um, resources that was geared towards the um, Black black people as well and it was really hard to find but thankfully at ccbc there are a lot of scholarships that i was able to qualify for as a student at community college of baltimore county so that was one of the things that um that i faced during um my search of resources as a black muslim um muslim as islam most of the um community here are basically the Desi community. So like when I say I'm an undocumented 
student they're like what is that like they don't even know what that is so that is how um that is how it works out for me in Maryland so I hope mm -hmm. that answers the question and when did you immigrate from to the U.S.? How old were you? 2016. Oh, so fairly recently. I kind of want to know about that experience. What was that like for you coming in 2016? Because obviously that was like in kind of the era of Trump and, you know, everything happening with DACA and immigration at the time. So what, what kind of was going on there? How was that experience for you? I was very naive uh, at that time because I was 13. I was about to turn 14 and I came with my mother to um, visit my family. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to be staying here and you're going to continue your education here. So I knew about Trump and everything. And I was just naive. I mean, I knew that Trump and the immigration thing was he was going to affect the immigration policies and everything. But I did not know how it was going to affect me directly. So I started, I finished my middle school here. I went to Deer Park Middle School in Maryland, in my um, local, local um, Maryland here. And um, I also attended Owens Mills High School. So I was just a naive kid at that time. I did not know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I think even going back to your story, like hearing that you said you were naive, but even when you found out that you were undocumented, you said that you got really involved and you saw that there was a need in your community. And even in your first answer, you said that you didn't see a lot of opportunities out there for undocumented people who look like you or who came from your background. A lot of it was geared towards Hispanic people. So I want to know, how do you foster inclusivity within your activism, considering the diverse identities and needs of the communities you represent. So really just focusing on how did you get involved in this work? And then how have you kind of built your, I guess, persona or self within this work and really kind of found yourself passionate and working towards your community? Yeah. So um when I started my college journey at CCBC, um I was opportune to um meet one of my retention specialists. I participated in like one thing I, I always did was always applying for opportunities, no matter what, if it was gonna be jerked towards me or not. So I did participate in a first year experience program at CCBC and I was able to meet one of my retention specialists um, and she encouraged me to join the Student Government Association. And I would say all my activism started from there because I realized my passion for advocacy through the Student Government Association. And that was when, whenever they would ask me for a topic, to talk about, I would always bring up my life as an undocumented student. So I was able to vocalize, I would reach out to the international student services at my community college and say, there, like, there are so many, like the resources they had towards the undocumented students, most of them did not know about it. So I was the one saying, oh, you guys have, like when I started my year at CCBC, uh, there was something called the Maryland Dream Act, but like they did not know about it. So I was the one finding those resources find, because I was chartered as an out-of-state student. So I would find those resources, email them and say, hey, these Maryland 
DREAM Act is available. Can I apply for it? How do I get myself around it? I did that and I was able to tell them that how come you're supposed to guide me through my college journey, but you're not giving me the resources that you're supposed to give me. So I would always vocalize about it and say like the undocumented students feels neglected. Through that, I was able through the Student Government Association, I was able to meet with the president of CCBC and we had like a one-on-one -on -one, um, meeting with her and the president of CCBC is president Dr. Kudinaitis and she also had like a close um, relationship with the Maryland delegates and senate so by me vocalizing to her about how we're feeling neglected she was able to also vocalize to the Maryland delegates and senate and although there's two holes in it but like it's more aware like schools are now more aware of it. During my high school journey, I was told I wouldn't be able to get any financial aid because I was an undocumented student. So those are the ways I was able to venture into advocacy and um, using my voice. Wow, that's really powerful. I'm like very impressed right now. And Dion's going to continue off the question, but just like Hearing that and hearing how you networked and used the resources around you, especially like reaching out to professors and having connections. And that's really what this work is about. This nonprofit work that we're doing is about like meeting people, um, just really developing yourself. And I think that, that that's really extraordinary. Yeah, thank you. Well, before Deanna asks her question, I wanted to ask, like, how is the undocumented student population in Maryland? Like, what, what is the representation there like? So there's a lot of undocumented students in Maryland. I mean, undocumented people in Maryland, but it's not really up to the statistics. It's not up to date. And I know that... Um, based on my last research, I know like about like eight, like about 70% of the undocumented, of the students who attend schools um, in Maryland are undocumented, especially high schools. But like, they're not like the statistics are not up to date. And there's a lot of Hispanic um, people here. And there's a lot of also black people here as well, who are very scared to identify as an undocumented person. So they would just not say anything. And that's part of the reason why it's not, it's not, um, exact like the statistics is not clear and exact but I know there's a lot of students that I meet at school that tell me they're undocumented and they need help as well I guess um with that being said have you been have you felt represented and seen in the immigration advocacy movement um were there any times you felt overlooked in the past or as you grew up here yeah, definitely. When I was in high school, I felt alone because I couldn't find anyone like me. And um, that was one of the um, most important years for me because I, I saw a lot of Hispanic people and there was a, there was a program called Escalera and it was under the CASA. And that was also a program I also ventured into in high school. And when I would attend the, their meetings and everything, I wouldn't see people like me. And I was wondering where those people were at. So that was also another thing. And can you please repeat the question so I can finish off my answer? Yeah, I was just asking like, 
Um, have you felt represented and seen in the immigration advocacy movement? And were there any times where you felt overlooked because of your identity? So have I felt seen in the immigration? I would say yes now, especially working with my Undocu Black Network. I was able to see Undocu Black Network as a, as a is a company that nonprofit organization that I'm working with right now through the Dream US. I mean, through the Dream Summer, and that is an um, a company that I'm able to um, look through their resources. They have so many more resources that I would never think of. So that is something that I that I've been able to feel more seen in the immigration. Um, Awesome. Thank you so much, Miriam, for sharing. Um, so I wanted to share about a little more about um, our symposium. So we each all have a workshop that we'll be talking about. Um, and my workshop is basically going to talk about being undocumented in your 20s. And I know you're in your 20s, right? So I wanted to ask, what advice would you give to other undocumented individuals in their 20s who may be facing similar challenges as you? I would say never relent, never relent in any adversity you face or any challenge you face and always try to advocate for yourself because if you don't advocate for yourself, no one will for you. And that is something I had to learn um, in my high school year because there was no one to fight for me. I had to fight for myself. So always fight for yourself, even especially, and always try to be knowledgeable about what you're fighting for as well. Because if you know your rights, you're able to fight for yourself. If you don't know your rights, you're not, you're, you don't know what you're fighting for. So when, you, when, you, when you're able to seek knowledge and have knowledge about what you're fighting for, you will definitely get there and always have hope as well. Find time to take care of yourself and definitely can get overwhelming as well. So that is also something I would like to advise about. Yeah. That's great. And we see now how you fighting for yourself has now developed into this career that you're going into um congratulations again with school and just all your educational opportunities and mm -hmm. one of the things that you're now getting yourself into is pharmacy school and so we kind of want to know why was why was that the pathway for you and then how can you kind of leverage the experience that you've had from all this leadership and advocacy to make a positive change within the healthcare system, especially for marginalized communities? So you're going into this field in pharmacy that deals with, you know, healthcare and those issues. So how are you really using your background of all this advocacy that you're doing and that you continue to do to really develop that? And why why kind of choose that career? Um, uh, every high school as well, I found my passion for pharmacy because I loved chemistry and math. So that was like my option that I was going to choose. And I planned on, um, I also had, um, Back in my teenage years, I also had problems with um, acne. Acne has always been something that I've been facing throughout my life and I'm still 
battling acne till this point. So it's being a compounding pharmacist is something that I aspire to become because I want to be able to um, create um, medications towards acne and also help find um, also help alleviate the um, the problems that the skin we face in the skincare world. So like as a teenager, I would feel insecure about myself because of the acne I had on me. And that is something that I want to put a stop on as, as I venture into the pharmacy career. In my advocacy um, for um, healthcare, I definitely want, I want to see a change in the healthcare. And I also want to see a change in like having health insurance here as a, as an undocumented person here in the United States. I know I, I also had like a direct, um, con like direct conflict with that. I want first I was venturing into the nursing program and we were required to get like a photo ID of government photo ID and, and then health insurance. And that was really, really challenging for me. And that is something that I would definitely love to see a change in, in the healthcare field for, especially for undocumented people. And just, and being in the pharmacy career, I definitely believe that as I am opening the door for myself, I'm definitely going to be opening the doors for other people as well. So that is, how I see myself definitely helping in the healthcare field. That's great. Um, sorry, I thought Nathania was gonna go on that end, but um, I think that I wanna kinda understand a little bit about like coming here into this country and we can end on this question um, unless the girls want to add anything else but I think coming here to this country and you're now a young advocate you're talking about going into the healthcare and that being your future which is funny enough actually touches on some of the themes that Nathaniel will be talking about in her workshop and you've also touched on some of the themes within mind, some of these really prominent themes of solidarity and just working with people and connecting and networking. So you're accomplishing all these things. And so I guess if you could have like one lasting message you can give out to undocumented young people, older generation, just anyone who's feeling like they don't know where to go, they don't have a path forward, they have the status looming over their head and some of them may be just figuring it out. And as, you know, laws develop, um, none of it is really kind of seeming like it's going in the best of our favor. And there seems to be a lot of gloom, I think, overhead. And so what would you think is that lasting and reassuring message that you want to leave to listeners today? I would tell them to always remember that there are stars that will forever shine in darkness. When I found that quote, I really related to it. And um, I just always believed that I would always shine bright in the darkness. So whenever I would face any adversity, I would just remind myself like, you are a star, so keep going. And I would also try to, um, I would also tell them to never shy away from asking for help. Like asking for help is really important. If you don't ask for help, you don't know what to do. So please don't be shy to ask for help. Some You will definitely meet some 
nice people along the way and meet some mean people along the way, but please don't let that discourage you as well. So please just remember that um, you're a star that will forever shine in darkness and um, always try. Like mistakes shows that you're trying and it's better to try than to just fail and just stay in there in one place. So I hope that is encouraging enough to you. No, that's beautiful and very well said. And for anybody listening out there, we just want to reiterate that. Ask for help. There is a community and a support network of people out here like Miriam, who is helping young people, who is going into an education field where she aims to help even more people. She sees an area in her community where it needs support, needs representation, and she takes the initiative. Be that person if there's no one around you that you can ask for help to start the initiative, to start the conversation, and to be the representation that you really wish to see in the world. And I think that asking for help is hard sometimes as people of color, as um, our identities are intersectional, as low income, whatever it may be, sometimes it's so hard to ask for help because we're used to doing it on our own but realize that the support and solidarity is what's so essential to building ourselves and building the movement and when you make that connection and when we work together we can really really make an impact in this movement so I want to thank you so much Miriam for coming oh sorry Nathania had one more question and then I'll go ahead <laughs> my apologies yeah. It's okay. It's okay. But um, most of, most people who pursue a immigration advocacy route usually approach it from a social science um, outlook. Um, so how do you see yourself contributing to the broader conversations around health, diversity, and inclusion within the immigration advocacy field? I would definitely say that although, yes, I am pursuing a field and the health career field, I know that as, as someone that would have the credibility in the health field, I would definitely also try to um, involve myself in the policy making field as well, like policy making, and I would try to, um, <laughs> I don't know how to say, <laughs> but I would definitely, I definitely do see myself being a policymaker and also being in a table full of people who are making the policies and I'll be able to definitely bring my opinion and bring my voice towards the people, I mean, towards the healthcare community as well. So I hope that answered the question. Do you hear that, everybody? If there's no seat at the table, you bring the chair or shoot, build the table even if you need to. Okay, Maria, on that note, I think we're going to go ahead and end it. Um, for everybody listening, again, this is Miriam. Um, I hope you really all enjoyed hearing her story and all the other stories we shared. This is the last story that we're going to be having in our series. And we thank you all for having us on this journey and to for joining us, for listening to these incredible, incredible people who are doing amazing, amazing work out here for you all and for themselves. And so we hope you're inspired. We hope you're in passion and we hope you go outside and you start advocating for yourself and your community. So again, one more thank you to Miriam for joining us today. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and end. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you. Thank you.